Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. This episode is sponsored by Beth Hansen and Lori Hansen. Thank you so much, you two, for your support. We love you. I'm Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Well, this episode is very special because my wife, Jan, is here with me and we're just going to have a little chat. We don't have a big uh, agenda or anything. We just kind of wanted to give everyone an update and a little bit of information about our vision for the future of Safe Home and just give a little uh, State of the Union address here. Hi, my love. Hi. Boy, it's been a while since I've been on here. I know. So 30 episodes later. Hey. Has anything happened? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So, I think the one thing that works so well for us is we know our own boundaries. I think that really has helped us a lot. And working on ourselves, you work on you, I work on me, and then we kind of join together. Yeah, we're both working on our own stuff, that's for sure. And there's been some stuff. Jan got uninvited to her high school reunion, and that was very painful, and um, brought up all sorts of stuff from when you were a kid. I started EMDR therapy, which is just still getting cooking, but I was inspired by Emma's episode a couple episodes ago, and I'm working on my kind of that deep inner stuff that just is long-term ways of thinking that I would really like to change. So we're both working really hard over here. Well, and then I started playing golf twice a week. Yes. And um, trying to build up my energy levels instead of coming home and going to sleep. Yeah. uh, Yes. You know, I go once a week to my taiko class, my drumming class. And Jan mentioned this uh, group, kind of a contest for golfing, a weekly golf thing. Uh, What's it called? It's called Spark spark and like go do it because I love my taiko so much it gives me so much energy and I get to be just Beth I'm not Joey's mom there I'm not anybody just they don't have they have no idea who I am most of them but Jan now gets to go to golf a couple times a week and do some exercise meet some new people talk about stuff that's not Joey (laughs) exactly exactly it does sort of dominate our lives a lot of the time so I think it's really good we're getting balanced out and then when we come home we have more things to talk about and you know experiences from the outside and Mm -hmm. especially now that things are opening up more we're able to go do things so right right yeah one thing I didn't realize is how sedentary I have been just sitting around for the last couple years especially with COVID and once a week a lot of the guys are only golfing once a week and um, now I realize why, uh, because it really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, a lot of muscles are waking up. They are definitely waking up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Joey really wants to come back on the pod, and hopefully he'll record an episode with us really soon. He has quite a bit of updates of things that have been going on. I mentioned in our last newsletter that he had a really good psychiatrist appointment and is on a really good path for his mental health right now which we're so grateful for but I'll let that be his story to tell you Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's doing really well on some new medication and 
we're feeling more hopeful than we have in a long time with our healthcare system. So I think, you know, what he's been in Kaiser with us since I've been at, at uh, school district for five years. And uh, this is the first time that he's actually had a doctor listen to him. Yes. And it's amazing. Yeah. Just his response, the look in his eyes, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's giving him some hope and it was a really great appointment and I was so proud of him. So hopefully he'll come on and tell you the whole thing. If he doesn't, uh, maybe I'll tell it in little bits and pieces here and there. But, and he's still living at his dad's Yes. and uh, we're still seeing him maybe once or twice a week to take him out for dinner or lunch or ice cream or something. And sometimes we go out on our little walks and we're just kind of keeping the channels open right now, but he's still using substances. I think it's just primarily cannabis, just, it makes him really, really, uh, unable to function. So it's not really a just, but, uh, it could be, it could be worse, I suppose, Mm -hmm. but he's still at his dad. So how's that feeling for you, Jan? Well, you know, used to really get under my skin. It just used to because, you know, Jim is Jim and Jim will never change. Mm-hmm. But Joey's changing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what we have to do is kind of step back and look at the whole picture of, you know, this is Joey's life, not Jim's life, not your life, not my life. Mm-hmm. And so we get to kind of witness that, you know, the good and the bad mm-hmm. and just be hopeful. Yeah. Yeah, we are kind of just watching from the outside at this point. Uh, We're not super, super involved with his day-to-day. He lets us in a little bit, but he's running running his life, you know, on his own. He's 18 now and living with his girlfriend at his dad's house. So have have you been tempted to say, oh, why don't you come on back? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard. That's that's the part where good communication between us has really been helpful for setting boundaries because I may be the one to say no for other things and, and, you know, stand my ground when it comes to outside people and, you know, that kind of stuff. But when it comes to Joey, it's like when he's not in the room, I can say, no, no, no. But as soon as he steps in there and he gives you that look and that, you know, poor me attitude. I'm like, okay, let's give him whatever he wants. (laughs) And I'm like, no. (laughs) So, so you have to be the strong one there. And I'm glad we discussed that ahead of time, you know? Yes. It's been so hard for those of you that haven't followed our story super closely. uh, Joey relapsed in September and uh, his dad was more than ready and eager to whisk him out of the house and, and supply him with drugs again at his house. So, Uh, that was kind of the last straw and we said Joey if you leave this is it we're not going to have you live here anymore and we're going to you know keep all your stuff here until you're sober and we're just gonna uh, we're not going to do this again because even if Joey can be sober his dad will come and sabotage whatever we try to do so that was kind of it for us and we've actually, we're sitting in his bedroom now, which is now an office. <laughs> it's now the podcast room. It's now the podcast room and the painting room and kind Music of the catch-all. But, but it is a permanent choice. He doesn't have a bed here anymore. And it, it's really, whew, it does not feel good. He's really not safe at his dad's. It doesn't feel good. at. There's times where I've been like, oh, I wish we could just bring him back. But we know how that will go. We'll bring him back. He'll be doing well for a month or 
three weeks or whatever and then he'll he'll start hanging out with his dad again and his dad will bring him stuff or give him money or whatever and then here we are again but when we did that when we said okay joey this is it if you decide to go back with your dad this is it at our house jan and i talked about it thoroughly we talked about with joey joey knew exactly what would happen and he still tests it every once in a while yeah He's still asking for his stuff back, like his drum set or his guitar. And we just, we said, no, remember, <laughs> remember when you left, we said, everything's staying here. Your dad's going to have to take care of everything from now on. And, you know, we just can't keep doing this. It's making us bananas. And it's not good for Joey either to be going back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. So he'll ask and... We don't want him to have those things because we know that they'll be turned lickety split into cash Mm -hmm. and then buying drugs with them. So even if he, even if that's not his intention, if his intention is to do music, and by the way, he knows that that is, you know, my passion and I love that he uses music. So it's really tough when he's like, mom, I really need to do my music and I need my guitar to do my music. I'm like, but we... We've been holding firm and said, no, Joey, that's that's a hard line. We decided we're holding your stuff because we don't want it to poof, vanish and turn into drugs. And even if you don't think you're going to use it for drugs, you'll get it home. And then one day you'll be out of money and be like, hmm. And then there it goes. There's been so many things that have been sold for drugs along the way. So we're we're holding his stuff Mm -hmm. and he, I'm sure, gets very angry at us. Mm -hmm. I have evidence to that fact, actually whatever we're just we're just holding tight we're holding tight with what we said and it is hard but i for some reason i'm easier to tell him no i guess i've gotten used to it better but i i certainly my rescue mom it comes out every once in a while and i'm like oh man if we could just have him under our roof again but we just have held firm and and joey's really figuring it out on his own Mm -hmm. and he's He's getting to the point now, now that he's feeling a bit better, that he's ready to work again or starting to think about being ready to work again. And I, I see a future for him. He'll be able to get out of his dad's eventually and, and he'll be able to do it on his own. And that's how it's going to have to be. If, if we keep rescuing him and making it nice and easy for him and then relapse again, back and forth and back and forth, it's not helping him. And it's definitely not helping us because it, it made us crazy. I think for a while there, he was going through issues where he would either get close to overdosing or he would just get so depressed and he would call you up in the middle of the night, no more than you went to sleep or five o'clock in the morning, way before you're ready to wake up and then cry that he needed to go to the hospital or that he needed this. And, and many, many times you raced down there to help him out but you never, you never closed up and said, okay, come home with me. Nope. No, it was, okay, let's go for a walk and then I'll take you back to your dad's. Yeah. Yeah. I'll intervene. I'll, I'll go help. I'll, yeah, going for a walk really helps him just get out of the house, get some fresh air, get some exercise. Those are magical things right there. And yeah, sometimes I think he just needs connection. So I'm happy to give him that anytime for free. No problem food I'll give you food as long as we're sitting there eating it with you (laughs) you know 
We don't even give him gift cards or anything. Definitely no cash, nothing he can sell. No gift cards because kids sell those too. Right. They sell them at you know lower price and mm-hmm. just get cash. So it's really it's really no fun, but it has really improved our mental health. Right. I should say, we are doing really fine. You know, and I I think that the fact that we're doing better honestly has helped him. Definitely. And I think it's kind of brought us all a little bit closer because he kind of reaches out quite a bit more Mm -hmm. than he used to. I know that when we used to try to rescue him and and take him to rehab and we couldn't say no and let him come back to the house and he was stealing stuff from us and we didn't even know it and selling things and all of a sudden things were missing. It was just like, well, what happened to this we bought him? Well, what happened Mm -hmm. to that we bought him? You know, all those things were gone. And, uh, you know, it was like, hey, Joey, where's that baseball bat? Oh, my dad sold it. Mm. So, you know, instead of doing all that worry and all that wonder and stuff, it's like, okay, no, let's just stop. Let's work on us. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of changed roles. Now he's curious as to what are we doing. Mm-hmm. You know, he did beg to come back and see the dogs once. Mm-hmm. And so we did let him come back. He begged he was going to wanted to clean the horse corrals and you know play with the dogs and was like okay and then he went right home and so he knew ahead of time this is your boundary Mm -hmm. we'll come you know come help feed the animals Mm -hmm. clean the corrals play with the dogs and then we'll go home Mm -hmm. so he's done that once but I think it kind of gave him the relief to know that yes the house is still there yes you guys still live there Mm -hmm. but you guys are different Mm -hmm. one thing I've learned in this whole thing is you can't change somebody else. You right. cannot change anyone else, exactly. no matter how hard you try. And we tried. We tried everything. You can't change anyone else, but you can change yourself. And when you change yourself, it often will prompt change in other people. Maybe mm-hmm. not the way you want it. You can't really control how that happens. But when one person in the system changes it, everyone else is like, er, 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 making mm-hmm. adjustments to accommodate the changes. And in this case, I think we're all doing really well. I think we're growing. Mm-hmm. Joey's been going to see Miguel, I think four or five times now in a row without fail. So. And he's working really hard. And we're all just trying to whew, just figure things out. You know, all three of us have had mm-hmm. trauma and, you know, just rough stuff happened to us way before this happened with Joey. All three of us kind of were... Uh, early childhood stuff, uh, deep-seated things that we're all really working hard on now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think it's showing. The three of us are, are a unit. You know, and- one thing, as you're growing up and you're starting to have relationships and you're starting to date, you know, and stuff, and, and then you find out that you can't change the other person, you know, mm-hmm. everything's all great in the honeymoon stage. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, shoot, that was a red flag. Oh, shoot, that was a red flag. If I could only change them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with your child. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't change the other person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you learn the lesson in relationships. Well, now you have to learn the lesson in your children. Yeah. And it pushes you because you parents, I don't know, I guess when they're little, you do have quite a bit of control. You can change stuff. You can pick them up and put them where you want them to be. But after a certain point, they're too big to pick up and they learn all sorts of ways to defy you. Mm-hmm. And you literally cannot make them do anything. You know, I I think it's part of as their mind is maturing and growing, you know, 
they're seeking out things mm -hmm. and they don't want you making decisions for them. Right. That's adolescence. You know, right? and, and that's the whole thing is, is we're so used to that, you know, very young child, we're teaching them how to read, we're teaching them how to speak, in, you know, speak English, whatever, you know, teaching them everything, how to walk, how to ride a bike. And then all of a sudden it's stepped back because now they're wanting to learn on their own. Yep. They don't want your assistance. Yep. They're, they're wanting to try things on their own. And, and, you know, if it was not for the substances, teenagers make all sorts of stupid decisions because their brains aren't formed yet and they're trying things. They're, they're risking, which is actually good. You want, you want teenagers to start, especially if they're, you know, at home still and in a safe environment, this is the time to try stuff out when nothing really horrible will happen, except when you add substances in, then all bets are off. Then it's super dangerous. And the things they try are way, way, way more risky. And, uh, it's, it's really hard, but the, that desire to try things on their own. I mean, hell, I, I moved out to California when I was 21, like all by myself. I, I understand that that need to do things on your own. And now at this point, we're trying to let Joey make those decisions completely on his own and support him from, kind of from the, from a distance a bit. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things that we've learned and, um, he's gotten really good at too is whenever he has any kind of a doctor's appointment or he needs to make an appointment or he needs to do this before he would just sit back and say, yeah, 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 I'm gonna. Mm -hmm. And it would end there. And the difference is now how you approach it, Beth, you're, would you like my assistance on that? Or mm -hmm. can you do it by yourself? Because I can be on the phone with you if you'd like, you know, mm -hmm. whatever you need. No, mom, I'll do it. Okay, then just text me you did it. And I won't hound you. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I mean, it's a whole different approach, really, mm -hmm. you're saying the same exact thing. But now you've reframed it. And he's hearing it in a different light. Yeah, I'm trying to give him the power. You know, mental health is so tricky. And he's going to have to be dealing with doctors probably the rest of his life, honestly. Exactly. Just like me. And he needs to figure out how to make an appointment, how to show up to an appointment, how to ask the right questions and get what you need from the doctor. And so I'm trying to let him do that. And sometimes he'll do stuff like make an appointment, tell me. He'll bring me into the appointment on a three-way call and then not do that. And then uh, and then months will go by until we can get him in again. So I think he's learning that he needs to stay on top of that. Right. And that will help him, of course. But I'm not going to be the one making every phone call. And I'm not going to be the one forcing him to do stuff. If mm -hmm. he wants to get mental health help, he, he needs to access it. Just like if he wants to get help with his addiction... He has to be the one to do the work. I can't do it for him. You know, and I, and I think that he's realized he's watched himself kind of fall down on those appointments mm -hmm. and fall down and fall down and fall down. And you've tried to pick him up, pick him up, pick him up. And mm -hmm. now it's okay, Joey, get up on your own. Mm -hmm. You have to do this. Yeah. You know, and he is. Yeah, he is. And, it, and it's hard. It's kind of like watching an infant trying to stand up after yeah. they're been crawling around you know yeah. <laughs> so they're grabbing furniture and trying to stand yeah. up and you're just like okay I'm not going to catch him yeah it's not always graceful but yeah he's got to figure it out cuz I need I need him to be the driver of this train at this point mm -hmm. he's 18 he's not living with us and he 
he has some pretty significant mental health issues mm -hmm. and he he needs to be the one seeking the treatment exactly i mean it, i will be happy to sit there with him on the phone i'll i'll sit there on the phone with him to make the appointment but he has to be the one to dial the phone he needs to be the one to say mom i need help to do xyz mm -hmm. and it's really hard because his mental health is number one priority and I really, really, really want him to get that help. But it's been a long time yeah. where we've been just kind of chasing it around and, and not showing up. And sometimes, I don't know, I'm so much older than him and I've learned a few tricks of how to get what you need from the doctors. And right. he, he doesn't know those tricks yet. So he's starting to learn, okay, it's better when mom's on the phone with me. Uh, so, you know, and, and the good thing was, was especially like the last time you weren't just on the phone with him, you went and picked him up. So you guys were in the same room. And I think that made all the difference because yeah. he did have confidence. He was assertive. He was able to express himself, but he could because he had your support yeah. and he physically could see you. And I, and I think whether he wants to admit that or not. I think that that's kind of what he needs. Yeah, I think that was good. I'm glad that I asked him if he would like that. And he said, yes. So we went out for lunch. We had a little discussion before the call, like what happens if this goes off the rails? Because sometimes he can get pretty uh, angry and volatile. And I'm like, oh boy, if he screams at someone, then we're really not going to get services that we need. So we talked about what he's going to do if he starts to feel, you know, like stuff's brewing and he's going to get super angry that uh, what we're going to do. And, and we, d we didn't end up needing that because he stayed nice and calm and was able to get what he needed. So mm -hmm. I was super proud of him. You know, and it, I think that's a good thing too, is what you're bringing up is that you guys sat down and you talked about the, what if, mm -hmm. what if, what mm -hmm. if, you know? And so he was prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times what happens, and even I do this, I'll, I'll have an appointment with my doctor and I'll be thinking, okay, I want to talk to them about my arthritis and I'm going to talk to them about, you know, this pain or, or my blood sugar levels or whatever. And then I get on the phone and it's like blank. There's really nothing <laughs> because I wasn't prepared, you know, to tell them what I wanted to tell them. I had already thought about it, but I didn't really sit down and think about it do you need me to be on the phone calls with and you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of maybe a list but no it is tricky you, you really need an advocate with you because mm -hmm. once you're in front of the doctor you're like whoa i don't know blah so i i was helping to fill in the blanks a bit and to advocate for what he needs but uh we're jan and i are just shifting to let him drive this whole train that's right it's his life He's going to do it how he will do it, just like I did. You know, mm -hmm. I made a lot of decisions my parents did not, do not appreciate or approve of. And that's okay. I'm still here. They're still there. We still love each other. I'm doing my life. I'm really happy with what we've decided to do with our lives. And, you know, everybody gets to pick how their life is going to go. Some of Joy's choices are very, very painful, but they're his choices and he's He's working it out. Exactly. So it's a tough transition, though. It's like, I, I guess we're empty nesters now. <laughs> Instead of gently nudging your child out, it was like a, a bomb went off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was not graceful mm -hmm. or gentle at all. But yeah, we're, we're just kind of navigating and figuring out where do we end and where does Joey begin? Mm -hmm. We've been really working hard on that.
and sometimes you need to step back and, and like you said, look back at you left home at 21. I was 17. And so I joined the Air Force. I just, two weeks after I graduated, I was marching. I couldn't wait to get out of home. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a home that I was running away from. It was hometown yeah. that I was running away from and kind of, you know, running away from myself. And, and one of the things I always tell Joey is, you know, Joey, the grass always looks greener on the other side until you get there, mm-hmm. you know, and then all you've done is you've drug your problems from one place to another. Yeah. And those are the things that I learned, mm-hmm. you know, leaving home early and stuff like that. And, and what was it a couple of weeks ago? He says, you know, Jan, you're right. <laughs> the grass is not always greener on the other side. It's the same thing in yeah. just another place. Yeah, you just take yourself with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he maybe when he comes back on the pod, he'll he'll talk about his uh, excursion to Oregon for five or six weeks oh, in, right. in a van. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he thought getting out of California would do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you take yourself with you. <laughs> And remember, they call, he called us up asking for money. Can I just get $1,000 for an yeah. apartment? <laughs> I don't have any job and no way to make monthly rent. But And I need to sign a lease, by the way. Yeah, he <laughs> wanted us to co-sign the lease. We're like, hell no. <laughs> hell no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that was with his drug dealer. And he admitted that was a really bad idea, and he's glad he didn't do it. Right. So, yeah, Jan and I are learning about boundaries. It is not super fun and not easy, but we're getting the hang of it because Jan and I have peace of mind and sanity. Right. And what I've learned is that boundaries are for us, not for Joey. Right. They're for us. Exactly. And they impact Joey, certainly, quite a bit. But the boundaries we set are for our sanity. And You know, you kind of use boundaries with every single thing in your life. Yeah. You know, your coworkers, mm-hmm. you know, you don't allow them to say certain things to you yeah. or, or certain things. You, you know, you put up boundaries. This is somewhere where you're not going to cross this line mm-hmm. or you're not going to do this or you're not going to do that. And so we have to take those things that we've learned in life mm-hmm. regarding our boundaries and put those into our own family. And it's kind of strange because you don't think of that. You think of, okay, my boundary is outside of the house, right? Everything outside of the house, I I put my boundaries and and that stops that. And I come home and I feel safe. Mm. But now that I'm home and I have my family, I have to put a boundary in my family. Yeah. And each of us in the family, each has our own personal boundaries. Right. We all have our own levels that we're willing to accept and... So maybe this is what we're all supposed to be learning in this lifetime because we <laughs> we all have kind of attachment issues and boundary issues and we're all just really working hard, working hard to mm-hmm. learn these things. Right, all right. Yeah. Let's see. I also wanted to just kind of give everyone an update about safe home families and okay. what's going on. Well, one thing is we start off with Safe Home Podcast. And we've branched out now. We're calling it safehomefamilies.com. I just made a new website, safehomefamilies.com. And it encompasses Safe Home Podcast Mm -hmm. and also Safe Home Book Club, which we are currently studying an an adoption book, which is extremely difficult to work through on your own. So it's a really wonderful way to do it with a bunch of people that are also working through it together together. We read this book called The Primal Wound together, one chapter a week, and ask questions throughout the week, and just everybody's digging in, doing the hard work of kind of 
figuring this adoption thing out. There's adoptees and adoptive parents and birth parents as well. So that's been really great. And I'm also doing quite a bit of public speaking and webinars and workshops and that kind of thing. So, and I am in the process of creating some sort of group or support system for adoptive parents specifically. I've learned so much from that Primal Wound book and from our own journey with Joey, from other readings about trauma. And I want to share with other adoptive parents who might think, la, 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 adoption is awesome. Woohoo. Like I used to think. I mean, no one told me about adoption trauma ever until Joey was off the rails and an adopted person that I know said, hey, have you guys ever looked into his adoption as a source of trauma? And I'm like, what? Well, you know, we were raised with the thought of, oh, those children should be so grateful Mm -hmm. that they have loving families that want them. You know, and it's like, they never really stop and think about what's deep inside. Yeah. You know, what, what is so much more. Yeah, and what they lost in this whole process, what the adoptees lost. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty massive trauma, especially someone like Joey, whose birth mother was so young and probably had a really horrible prenatal experience, you know, with a lot of shame and a lot of regret or, I don't know, I just, I try to kind of put myself in her shoes and even from before he was born, there was trauma. And then he had seven months with other nurses, uh, every eight hours, different nurses shifting at the hospital where he, he was at. And then, and then we got him and we thought, okay, we're good to go. We're all good. Right. And took him, took him across the ocean to yeah. another country. Oh, nothing. He won't even notice. Like, what was I thinking? Oh, anyway, so I have a real heart to, and a kind of a vision to help other adoptive families that are kind of waking up to, oh my gosh, not that what we did was necessarily wrong, but that we need to acknowledge that we participated in this major trauma for our Mm -hmm. kids. And what can we do as adoptive parents to help our kids deal with the trauma? Yeah, I think having known that before, could have really helped mm-hmm. Joey before he got into the addiction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I would have known when we picked him up at seven months, heck, by the time he was three years old, I would have had him in therapy or right. I would have had him in play therapy as an infant. I mean, there's all sorts of groups nowadays and therapy and it's becoming much more prevalent adoption or maybe just because I'm paying attention to it more. But it's a there's resources available now for little kids. I would have had him addressing his adoption trauma from from day one. Mm -hmm. And I would have been more understanding of what's going on as it was. It was a little late because Mm -hmm. by the time I realized adoption trauma was a thing, he was hooked on a bunch of substances and trying to kill himself. So I'm trying to help other families to avoid that Mm -hmm. and catch them a little sooner. So that's kind of a big vision of ours is to help that group of people. Yeah, that, you know, it, it, it's amazing. There's, you know, so many adopted children that you hear parents saying, oh, but they were such an angel. And then one day they just flipped. And mm-hmm. it's not that they flipped. It's that they couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't hold it in anymore. And that's yeah. kind of what happened with Joey. Yeah. 
it often happens during adolescence because it's the time of your life where you're trying to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. And for an adoptive person, trying to figure out who they are is extremely fraught and complicated. And he was also getting bullied at the time for being Asian. He's Japanese. And having two moms. Having two moms as well. That didn't help. Oh, so, so much. So his adolescence was just so hard. And so every day that he's still around, we're just so grateful. Yes. Yes. We've always said for a long time, we've said, if we can just keep him alive Mm -hmm. until he can start figuring this stuff out. Right. And I think... I think he's going to get there. I mm-hmm. think he's going to get there. He's seeing Miguel again. He's getting be- better meds and getting better psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. And he's not using the really, really risky stuff right now. So we're pretty hopeful. Yeah. yeah. Just the one thing that we did notice is there's change. There's change moving on. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is watch from the outside, cross our fingers, and pray and send positive energy mm-hmm. and just believe in our hearts that things are going to turn out better. Yeah. So, but we do know there's change. There's change yeah. moving, you know, yeah, no matter what direction he ends up going, it's change. Yeah. He's definitely shifting. He's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And by us not making it super easy on him, he's having to figure it out a little quicker. Right. Uh, but I think he knows that we are always here for him as mm-hmm. Moral support, giving him resources for, you know, medical help and therapy and whatever that kind of thing he needs. He knows we're here for him. Right. Just not certain boundaries, but he knows, you know, we're always here for him. And he knows that we want just the best for him and that we are going to be a stable and positive presence for him no matter what. No matter what. So that's what we've been working on over here. And I wanted to also mentioned some gratitudes yeah we've had some really great things happening over here at safe home we have a patreon account and if you don't know what patreon is it's a it's kind of an old-fashioned thing with a newfangled tech twist to it but when you have a patron like i i'm a musician and so people like Mozart and Beethoven and composers for many you know centuries have had patrons that paid their salary and they're able to compose and do their creative thing without having to go get a second job you know or bag groceries or whatever so a patron takes care of them and then the patron does also get a say so certain composers like Beethoven was always fighting with his patrons because he's like no I want to do this new exciting stuff and the patron wanted to have the old <laughs> The old stuff. But anyway, patronage is where you directly support a creative person. You directly support the artist. And so Patreon does that. So for podcasters and for musicians and bloggers and I don't know, all sorts of independent artist types, you can just support them. And most Patreon people, Patreon accounts have several tiers. So we have three tiers. You can support Safe Home with five dollars a month or ten dollars a month or twenty five dollars a month and each of those tiers gets you more goodies kind of like i don't know pbs member week or whatever (laughs) and you get a cd set no just kidding we don't have a cd set but with not yet with different (laughs) with the different tiers you can get early releases of the episodes background uh behind the scenes 
videos or audio or 50% off webinars and workshops and recordings of said webinars and workshops. By the way, we have one coming up on May 28th, 2022 at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I'm doing one called Compassionate Boundaries, which was going to be about some of the things we talked about today, about how important it is to have boundaries to keep yourself sane and how to maintain them and how to build them and you know how to structure them. So I'm going to share that and I'll share what I've learned and what some of the experts say and we'll have a lot of hands-on examples. So that's coming up. So what else do Patreon people get? They got oh, a Q&A. Mm-hmm. We haven't started that yet, but we're going to do it soon. I hope to have about once a month or once every other month a Q&A session where people can send in questions. Patreon members can send in questions or be there on a Zoom call. And we're even going to bring in some of our past guests to answer questions for the Q's, Q's and A's. And once we get 10 members of the $25 tier level, the village level, we're going to create a private Facebook group or private WhatsApp group or private whatever app group to just have a little bit of support throughout the week. So I wanted to mention the names of our current Patreon members, Mara, Rika, Nina, Camille, Susan, and we're so excited for our latest Patreon supporter, Steve and Barbara. Thank you all so much for being our Patreon members and supporting supporting what we're doing here so we can keep our podcast commercial free and to help support all the work we're doing on these workshops and the book club and all the different ways that we are creating support for people with struggling teens and struggling young adults and struggle in their own lives and supporting the adoptive families and things like that. So, and another big announcement on episode 40, you heard from Eric and his sister Beth and his mom Lori. Well, Beth and Lori made a generous gift to Safe Home, which we are extremely grateful for, and just so proud of them and proud and honored that they want to be a part of what we're doing here. So wanted to give them a huge thank you, Beth Hansen and Lori Hansen. Thank you Yay. so much. We love you so much. Yay. And they've always been here for our family always. through everything, through thick and thin. So they certainly know what's going on. If you haven't heard episode 40 yet, go listen to episode 40. It's no joke. It's no <laughs> walk in the park, this life we have here. So Beth and Lori totally get it. And so they are uh, honorary Patreon members forever. And so they are on that inner circle. So if any of you are really getting support that you need from the episodes of the podcast or from the book club discussions or from the webinars, workshops, any of that, I would really love it if you would hop on board with us and help us make this vision happen of helping other families with struggling teens and young adults. Thank you very much for all of you who have supported. And and even if you can't support with money through Patreon, just listening and just sharing our episodes with each other, with other families that you know, sharing our website, sharing our newsletter, all of that helps. All of that helps. So thank you so, so much. We are very grateful for all of you in our lives and wanting to support our efforts here. Uh, I want to make sure that I thank everybody for following us and making this dream a reality. You know, the first thing Joey said was if I could help one person. Mm -hmm. 
I heard Eric, if I could help one person, mm -hmm. almost every single person that you've interviewed from the beginning mm -hmm. has said, if I could help one person. And in this same instance, we've had people reach out and said, oh my God, what you guys are doing has helped so much. And that's it. That's just what we want to do. We just, you know, you help one who helps one who helps one who helps one. Mm -hmm. And yeah. thank you. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Thank you, everyone who's participating. Thank you, everyone who's donating. This is just, it's something that we feel led to do, that we need to do. We have mm -hmm. to get it out there. Someone has to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And and so here we are. Yeah. And thank you for allowing us to do that and for supporting us. Mm -hmm. We do really feel led and we feel like doors are opening for safe home and that it is resonating with people because no one is talking about this stuff and it is nothing to be ashamed of or, you know, to hide from. So the more we can talk about it, the better it is for our kids and for us too. It's out there. It's common all of these kind of struggles with mental health, with addiction, it's common. So the more we can talk about it, the better it will be. So I think it's helped. I think it's helped. It's helped us all. It's, it's helped a, us for sure. It's a family. It's helped us. You know, I would, I would never wish this on anyone, but man, Joey's struggles with addiction and mental health has forced us <laughs> kicking and streaming sometimes to really look at ourselves and to, to work on ourselves and get better and to become, you know, more whole and more authentic every day. So we're, we're on the journey with him. That's why in the intro, I always say I'm walking beside him. Yes, exactly. We're not in front. We're not behind. We're not watching him walk. We're sitting there right next to him. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> walking right next to him, working on our own stuff. So check out all of, all of the offerings. Uh, find us on our new website, safehomefamilies.com and on all the socials. Consider joining us on Patreon. And we just love you all. Thank you so much. We wish you all well. And hopefully you'll hear from Joy real soon yes. on, on one of the near future episodes. Exactly. In the meantime, Jan and I want you to stay safe. Here's a heads up for a workshop coming up that I'm teaching for parents who have struggling teens or young adults. Somewhere between tough love and enabling are compassionate boundaries. Tough love can be alienating and isolating and enabling can fuel destructive behavior on both sides. But compassionate boundaries help maintain your sense of self while nurturing a positive relationship with your struggling teen. Come join me on Saturday, May 28th at 10 a.m. Pacific time for an hour long interactive workshop where I will teach you practical skills to set and keep your compassionate boundaries and will lead you through real life scenarios and help you set your own compassionate boundaries within your specific situation. The workshop is $10 and Patreon members receive 50% off plus they receive a recording of the workshop afterwards. Find the registration link in the show notes or go to our website safehomefamilies.com backslash events. Thank you. Hope to see you there.